Blog Talk Radio. My name is Everett Sands. I'm the Sands. I'm the Sands. I'm the My name is Everett Sands. I'm the President and Founder of the West Foundation. West, 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 West stands for Working People's Success. What we want to do Working People's Success. Working People's Success. What we want to do is we want to impart on these young people that we have opportunity to, uh, to coach. Coach that you got to work every day. You got to work every day. To be successful. You can't take any day. You can't take any days. You can't take any days off. Even when you don't feel like getting it done, you got to get out there and do it. Hey, how's everybody doing? This is Everett Sands of the West Foundation Sports Talk Show. It is June the 8th. And just so you know, June is a huge month for the West Foundation. Um, we just had our golf tournament, which we'll talk about in a few minutes this past weekend, and we have our camp later this month, which we'll talk about a little bit as well. Um, but, again, just want to talk a little bit about the West Foundation, um, our purpose, our goals. The, the West, West actually stands for working equal success, and our goal is to help kids to understand that they can be successful without being a professional athlete. Now, we want these kids to chase their dreams because, again, we believe there's so much that can be learned from chasing their dreams, things such as discipline. I mean, if I'm going to be a NFL, MLB, NBA star, it takes a lot of discipline to put myself in that position to even be thought about to play on the collegiate level at a high enough uh, rate also, the work ethic that has to go in there. Also, you know, so you got the discipline, you have the work ethic, the mental capacity that it takes to play at a high level on the collegiate level, to be able to be in that number, to even be thought about on a professional level, it's got to be at a high rate. So there's a lot of things that, that can be learned um, from chasing that dream. And those traits are the same traits that businesses are looking for. So for whenever that career ends, whether it is when they finish college, when they finish high school, maybe they get a a year or or two or maybe even five to ten, but whenever that career ends, those traits that help them be competitive are the same traits that are going to help them be competitive in the business world. So we want them to chase that dream. Um, but the big thing is we want to help prepare them and give them tools that will help them to be successful whenever their sport ends. So one thought is you don't have to be a professional athlete to be successful. 
The other thought is, whenever your sport ends, it's time for you to work on yourself, to put yourself in position to be successful. Now, again, success means a lot of different things to different people. But whatever that meaning of success is uh, for these young people, we want to help them to find it. So our big deal, our big event that we have every year, uh, with the exception of last year because of COVID, is we have a free football and cheerleading camp. That camp will be held on June 26th. So we're talking 18 days away, so we're right around the corner. Now, one thing that makes our camp different is I will have some guys that played with me, but most of the guys that will be out there coaching will be guys that played for me at my various stops during my 25-year coaching career. And we have a a lot of those guys that look forward to coming back um, because they enjoy being around the kids and the opportunity to give back. One of the things that we're doing different this year and hopefully most people have had opportunity to see that video that West Foundation and Carson Cleats put out. But we're a partner with Carson's Cleats. And, and again, the, the story behind Carson is he was going to buy cleats. And, of course, cleats are pretty expensive. So he asked his mom the question, what do kids do that can't afford to buy cleats? Um, started a little nonprofit. Uh, where they're collecting cleats, um, either lightly used or brand new cleats at various locations around the Conway and Murder Beach area. And we partnered with them so we can go on and give all of our campers that pre-register by June 12th. And again, that June 12th date is important um, because we have to have some time to make sure we can get all those kids taken care of. So if you pre-register after June 12th, there's no guarantee. But for every kid that registers by June 12th, we will definitely have them some cleats and some sneakers for the cheerleaders um, when they come to camp. And, of course, if we can accommodate others, we will, but we will definitely have those that pre-register. Now, another thing that we're able to do is we can announce a new partnership. So not only are we partnering with Carson Cleats, we are happy to say that we're also going to partner with InnerSoul. And InnerSoul, um, they're based here in Columbia. Uh, that is uh, Don Staley's um, nonprofit. And they're going to help give some shoes as well. And then another partnership that we're excited to announce is with Ms. Selena Allen. Um, she was actually on our show um, back in 2020, uh, a cardiologist. And what we're going to be able to do is offer a free heart exam um, to kids. We're going to do that on Friday, the night before uh, the camp. And we'll have a time frame where kids can come by the rec center and they can get checked. And, again, this is just a little screening, and, but it is something that definitely um, you want to make sure if you're in the area you can have your kid do Because one of the things that was said is that if you had COVID, and again, I know a lot of kids have not had it, 
But if you had COVID, then you should make sure that you get checked um, because there is a percentage of people, even if they were asymptomatic, that has some heart issues um, after that. So you want to make sure that if you did come down with COVID, please get checked and just not go out and start running around and doing the things that you used to do. Um, so we're trying to do a lot of things in the community, and we're, we're, we're growing and definitely trying to increase our impact. Now, this past week, we had a golf tournament, and what a day that was. You know, uh, actually, I had one of the guys that was going to play with me. He called me on Wednesday and said, hey, it looks like rain, and, and I'm not going to make it. So I started looking at the weather, and when I looked at it on Wednesday, it said it's supposed to rain all day, every day, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So as I was watching it closer and closer, I saw that the time kept getting pushed back. So I made it down there on Thursday. It sort of rained off and on, and... You know, as I talked with the golf course, I said, hey, let's wait and see what it looks like in the morning. Well, in the morning, it looked like, okay, hey, it's not going to rain until a little bit later, like 11 o'clock. So I was like, hey, we can go on and try to push this. But again, the time kept getting pushed back. But as we were out there putting up our tee box signs, it was a torrential downpour. It was raining cats and dogs. And it was bad. So at this point, you're like, man, are we going to be able to get this in? Well, the Lord was definitely shining on us. And about 8.15, somewhere between 8 and 8.15, the rain stopped. And by 8.30, the sun was starting to peek its head out. We started off about 8.40, and through the whole round, there wasn't even a glimpse of rain. So we were able to get finished. Um, we did have 13 teams that, that was able to take part, and it didn't start to rain again until about 3.30 that afternoon. So um, we were excited to be able to get that in, and thank you for all the teams that came out. want to give a big shout-out um, to our teams that placed. Our third-place teams was Anderson Brothers Bank. Uh, you had Rivers Anderson, Joe Cox, uh, Ren McKeegan and Bradley Moore. It was actually a tie. Um, they shot a 58, and they went to the back nine. They went to the back nine, and they had to go to the last six holes. Um, but they ended up coming in third. The second place team, again, big thanks to the heavy hitters. Um, they brought nine guys down from Columbia, South Carolina, and uh, James uh, Stembridge, Harry, and Parker were able to get that second-place spot. And the first-place spot went to Mike Flinham, Boyd McLeod, Lance Jones, and J. Michael Flinham. So definitely congratulations to the winners. And, uh, again, thanks to everybody that came out and participated. We had a great time. Um, the closest to the pin was James Stembridge. Yep, the same James Stembridge that uh, came in second place. And then the longest drive. Now, here's a little story of what happened on the longest drive. So the longest drive was hole number four. So as I pull up, 
I do not see the sign for the longest drive. So I call in. I'm like, hey, I think somebody forgot to uh, put the long drive uh, sign out. And the guy was like, you sure? I said, yeah, I don't see it anywhere. Well, after we hit and we go down about 75, 80 yards from the green, there is the long drive tent. And I'm like, well, I guess I was wrong. It was just too far down here for us to see. And the crazy thing is that long drive did not uh, hold up, um, and David Christian ended up getting the long drive. So, again, big thanks to everybody that came out. Also want to give a big thanks um, to all of our, our sponsors. We had several, uh, we had about 30 T-Box sponsors. Um, big, big shout out to uh, Firehouse Subs, who was able to provide us with lunch. Also, I want to uh, shout out to Nano Air Solutions, um, who's our platinum sponsor. And we had several silver sponsors. Um, we had Derek Law Firm, uh, Davidson Nabbitt, Tito's, um, Selena Forson, St. Anne's Episcopal, Cindy Long, and Chancel um, Hospitality Residential. Um, and then also Integra Fabrics and Liz Allison. Those were our silver sponsors. And we had, like I said, we had a lot of uh, T-Box sponsors. So thank you to all of those sponsors that helped out. It was definitely a success, and we're looking forward to uh, doing it again next year. Now, this week, um, just just a, a quick note, got to brag on my kids a little bit. Uh, my son graduated from middle school yesterday, and uh, and then my daughter's graduating from high school tomorrow, so it's a big week in the Sands household. June is just a big month. And uh, so now all of our minds and our targets and our emphasis is now on the camp, which again, which will be held on June 26th. So if we have any listeners out there that want to come and volunteer, definitely love to have you. We can use all the help that we can get. And again, a reminder, early pre-registration ends on Saturday, this coming Saturday, which is June 12th. The reason why that's important all the kids that pre-register uh, by the end of June 12th will get a pair of cleats or a pair of sneakers. Um, so let's move on. Let's talk. We always got to go with the thought of the day. The thought of the day is focus. And my first thought as I think about focus is if you want to be successful, you got to focus on what you can do, not what you can't. And I think there's so many times that instead of focusing on the things that we do well, um, we tend to focus on the things that we don't do well. I'm not saying you don't work to get better at what you don't do well. What you do well is what can separate you from everybody else. So concentrate on what you can do well and let that be the focus of your success always working on the things that I don't do as well, but I'm going to concentrate on the things that I do well. Now, Hank Aaron, he said that I think what separates a superstar from the average ball player is that he concentrates just a little longer. So now as I'm focusing on the things that I do well, I got to go on and focus 
and concentrate and just go on and make sure that I'm doing the things that I know are going to make me better. I also am going to focus on the things that come easy to me. Here's here's a thought. You can usually move about two to three percentage points. And just say we're on a scale of one to ten. Um, so you can usually move about two to three. So if I am a two at something, probably the best I'll ever be is a five. So I'm going to do something that I don't do well at all, and then I can get average. But if I'm a six or a seven at something, now I get an opportunity to be an eight or a nine, and now that's going to totally separate me from everybody else. Once again, I'm going to concentrate on the things that do well. I won't forget about what I don't, but it's not where the focus of my concentration is going to be. And then another good thought is the success, success, excuse me, is a progressive realization of a predetermined worthwhile goal. So as I'm concentrating on the things that I do well, I need to set some goals. And the thing that you everybody needs to understand is it is virtually impossible to meet a goal if I never set one. So you have to set goals. And when I set a goal, you need to write it down. And then not just write it down, but put it in a place where you can see it. And then as I'm setting my goals, I need to have short-term goals, mid-term goals, and long-term goals. So those short-term goals are something that I can hit and check off. The midterm is going to be a little bit longer, uh, but I'll still be able to check it off. And then that long-term goal is something that's going to be, of course, a little bit way down the way. Down the way. Because here's another thing um, just about focus, and I think this is something else that gets people at times. Is driving for achievement is just like driving a car. It's a good idea to check the rearview mirror occasionally, but not to give it your complete attention. So first we talked about making sure that I concentrate and focus on the things that I do well. Don't forget about the things that I don't do as well, but that's not where my concentration and focus is going to be. But the thing that I don't want to do is live in the past. I can't live on the play that just happened. I can't live on the mistake that I made last week. I got to learn from it and then move forward. Because the only way that I'm going to be successful is if I have my attention on what's in front of me. If I put too much attention on what's behind me, then how can I go on and reach what's in front of me? And that goes to also thinking, that my focus needs to remain where I have some control, and that's today. Because what happened yesterday, I have no control over. It's happened, it's done. The only thing I can do is learn from that, and let's move forward. And then here's here's another thing, just talking about focus. And it's something that, that I know to be true. Um, this isn't a I think to be true. This is I know to be true. 
that if you chew, if you chase two rabbits, both of them are going to escape. So focus on the task at hand and take care of your priorities. Now, if I'm trying to chase two things, two big things that is just, you know, going to take all of my attention, I'm not saying, you know, hey, um, I can't be a good athlete, be a good student. That's not what I'm saying. But if I'm truly chasing something really, really hard and putting all of my efforts into it, I can't chase two things. Because if you chase two really, really hard, one of them is going to suffer. Really, both of them are going to suffer. Because it's hard to chase two things really, really hard. So make sure that I focus on the task that I have on my plate right now. Because if I have, uh, say, for instance, I have a term paper that is due, and that's what I'm working on. That's what I'm supposed to be focusing on. Yet, I'm over here trying to play a video game. Or even, let's make it a little bit more uh, uh, um, something worth chasing. I'm working on my term paper, and I'm over here trying to study um, my playbook. Should I study my playbook? Sure you should. Do I have to make sure I get the term paper? Yes, I do. But if I try to do both at the same time, it's going to be hard, virtually impossible for me to be successful at both of them. So go on and put one as the priority. That's my number one priority. And it might be, hey, I'm going to work on this term paper, and when I take my break, because, again, you can't study book for so long um, at a specific time. So I might study for an hour and a half. I say, hey, I'm going to take a 30-minute break at 7 o'clock. Then I can go look at that for 20, 25 minutes during my break. But if I try to do them both, um, I'm probably not going to do very well. So just something to think about. Focus, 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 focus. If I try to chase two rabbits, both of them are going to escape. So set your priorities, all right? In the sports world today, we got a lot of things going on. Of course, one of the biggest things on the football scene is still what's going on um, with Rodgers up there at Green Bay. And uh, right now he looks like he's going to skip minicamp. Um, so it's what's going to happen there. That's a big question. One thing that got finalized here the last couple of days is Julio Jones is going to the Titans. And uh, I think that's definitely a, a great move for the Titans. Um, gives them a big target. You know, the big thing right now is that will definitely determine if that was a great deal of not if Julio stays healthy. Um, and if he stays healthy, he's definitely going to be a big asset to that team. Um, on the basketball scene, well, actually, before I even get to the basketball scene, let me give a shout-out uh, to Elton Pollitt. Um, he's the head baseball coach at, at Presbyterian College, and uh, they made it to the Nashville Regional um, the first time that, that PC has made it. Definitely want to give a shout-out to him. And uh, just talking with him, it was a great experience and something for them to learn from. And and now, hey, a step at a time. Now you're there. Next time, you got to go on and take it one step further. So um, definitely a big shout-out to him. Basketball-wise, the uh, Sixers, we're surprised a little bit, I think, by the Hawks. 
Mr. Trey Young and, and those boys over there in Atlanta are, are playing really well right now. And uh, so Atlanta is up one to nothing, and we'll see what happens on, on game two later tonight. Um, and then we got the Jazz and the Clippers, game one, which is tonight. Um, the Clippers finished out that last series very strong. They started off 0-2 and came back and won. Um, but the big thing tonight, I think the big story tonight, is that the Jazz are going to be without their point guard, Mike Conley. We've got a hamstring injury. So how would the Jazz be without their point guard? Um, the Nets, I, I, I've said it before, and I, I truly believe that they stay healthy. It's going to be hard to beat them. And they're up 2 to nothing on the Bucks right now. And then the Suns and the Nuggets um, will play tomorrow night. Um, the Suns are up one to nothing on the Nuggets. Big question. And, you know, hey, who are the hottest young players? And, and several of them are, are – are still playing, um, but there's a lot of good young players that are, that are making making a name for themselves. Probably one of the main ones is Trey Young um, over there with the Hawks. But of course, you know the Suns got a couple over there um, with Devin Booker and uh, and Mr. Aiton. Um, so they got a couple of young guys over there as well. So the young guys are playing well and they're stepping up, and and we're going to see which one is going to go on. And, take their team or if they're going to take their team. But I just believe now, even those, all those young guys, there's just, a, just too much talent in Brooklyn right now for them not to be successful. could definitely cause something to go down. Um, but the question is, you know, will they go on and finish this thing, which I think they will. So uh, the basketball series is going to continue to be um, going on here, and, and we'll keep our eye on it. Uh, but we're going to go on and take a quick break, and we'll be back with our first guest in a few. So hold on.
Hey, how's everybody doing? This is Everett Sands of West Foundation Sports Talk Show. We're back, and we have our first guest of the evening, Ms. Carlotta Davis. Carlotta, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me, Everett. Hey, thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us. It's, uh, you know, here in Columbia is touch and go with the rain, but I'm so happy to see the sun out for a little while. I know. It was pouring this morning, but, yeah, the sun is finally out, and I'm enjoying it, too. I think I'm going to go for a walk when we're done. Well, good. Good, good, good. Well, hey, well, please tell us a little bit about your background. Absolutely. So, Everett, I am a nurse practitioner and diabetic educator, and I've been I've been in nursing since 1986, uh, got my Bachelor of Science here at Carolina, and then got my master's there. And then later on, I went back and got my nurse practitioner and focused on internal medicine, diabetes, nutrition. And those are kind of, that's kind of my focus. That's my area of expertise. That's what I love. And in, as a nurse practitioner from 99 I mean, in a private practice setting till April of 2015. And what I do now, I am a professional network marketer in health and wellness, so I assist people to achieve their health and fitness goals via nutrition. I do a lot of, I also do a lot of uh, diabetic education, nutritional coaching, but basically focusing on finding out what goals people are wanting to achieve and assisting them in that way. And I also enjoy speaking on nutrition because a lot of people don't really realize that if your nutrition is on point, your health is going to be on point. And and people, I mean, your performance, your athletic performance is going to be where it's supposed to be at, whereas if you're taking in a bunch of foods that you think are okay, you won't. I mean, there's so many foods that are laden with artificial sweeteners, food colorings, et cetera, that are not good for you. They're going to bring you down. All right. Now, you said if your nutrition is on point, your health will be on point. So Absolutely. What, what big point or what big things are you looking at from a nutrition standpoint to make sure that you're on point? Well, here's the thing. Most people nowadays, and we all live very busy lives. If you think about back when we were growing up, usually your your mom was staying home. There were home-cooked meals. Everything was really more natural. You were things were being cooked at home. Now you have usually two people working, and you're stopping and either buying, you're doing the best you can with what you have, but you'll buy sofas, lasagna to stick in the oven, or you'll buy a bucket of chicken to take home and some veggies. So everything is more high fat, and it's, people are not realizing that that's affecting their health. The other thing is that our foods are nutritionally bankrupt. We have overfarms. There's so many pesticides and you know herbicides and all these things on, on our soils that it's our nutrition, our, our vegetables. They just don't have all that the nutrients that were once there you know, 30, 40 years ago. And if I recall, there was a study that I read, I guess about maybe eight years ago, where a cup of spinach from the 50s would give you all of your daily requirements of iron for that day, for for a day. That's all you need to do is 
you want your iron requirements to be met for the day, a cup of spinach will do it. And we're eating various things, so you're going to be giving yourself what you require. In today's world, and this was, like I said, eight years ago that I read this article, it's probably more now, in order to get the same amount of iron that you would get back in the 50s, you have to have about 39 cups of spinach. So when I found this out, yeah, yeah, it's just the nutrition is not there. I mean, the the nutrient isn't there. So back in my 20s, I started figuring some of this out, and I started juicing. And so I'm a big juicer. I encourage, you know, when I was practicing in private practice, I'm telling my patients, you should juice. I mean, every day, at least once a day. And I'm not talking about a few apples and, you know, that fruit food juices. I'm talking about getting a bag of kale and putting, you know, uh, half a tomato in there and just, you know, putting a little bit of water and some vinegar. You know, you can make it taste like a V8 and drinking that mm-hmm. because now you're getting high-dense nutrition. You know, now you're getting every what you need in one cup. I mean, there's no way I could eat that much spinach or that much kale. I, right. I probably could get up to three cups and I'm done. The um, but that's so you just come in a blender. You come putting in a blender yeah, and I, doing that. I, I have a you know a lot of people use a Nutribullet, Everett. Uh, I use you know I have a Vitamix that I use. But yeah, you just blend it in, and there's different you know there's different things that you can use um, to do this, and there's recipes out there, but. A Vitamix is my favorite. I've had mine, let me see, my daughter is 25, my oldest, and I bought that before she was born. So that thing's about 26 Mm. years old and it's still working strong. So it's a good investment to have one. I made baby food and all sorts of stuff with that for all my kids. One cup of spinach. Yeah, Yeah, go ahead. I'm going to say one cup of spinach 50 years ago is now it takes 39 to get the same nutrients. Why is that? Is it because of the pesticides or, or what is the purpose? I mean, yeah, what is just the reason over farming, over farming, herbicides. You know, you're over farming. you got to think about the mass production of vegetables and fruits that, that we do. And then we also, you know, we're using these, you know, things to make them grow faster. So it's just not. It's just not as like it used to be back in the day. It's over over farms, over production, that and you're using mm-hmm. the, like I said, herbicides, pesticides, fungicides, and that's killing our soils. So then our soils just don't have the nutrients. And if you think about it, most people are vitamin D deficient now. I mean, I, right. the majority. I would say when I was practicing about. Eighty-five percent of the labs I got back, people were vitamin mm-hmm. D deficient, and I'd have to put them on vitamin D. Why right. is that? I mean, why? Well, it's because we have we have to have minerals that help us absorb vitamin D. We get vitamin D from sunlight, but then we also have to have mm-hmm. all these minerals that help us absorb our nutrients, and that's not present in our fruits and vegetables. It's just it's there, but not in the amount that you need. So that your body requires. So then what you're having is you have low vitamin D, and that leads to low calcium. That, so it's just almost like a, a domino effect on how people are being affected if they're not aware. And then you have everybody eating also fast food and, go, and eating out too much because they're, they're on a time crunch. I know that when, you know, my son plays sports and if he has, he's out late for a baseball game, 
I mean, I used to be baseball basketball now, and we're getting home at mm-hmm. 8 o'clock. I'm not going to cook dinner, and I was busy earlier, and I didn't, if I didn't pre-plan and have everything set, where I've had it in a crock right. pot or whatever, that means we're stopping somewhere to go out to eat. And most, you know, it's going to be Mexican or it's going to be, you know, you're stopping at some fast food joint, everybody's getting a burger. And so that's just not healthy. And and it's going to happen if your kids are playing sports, you're going to be doing that three three times a week, mm-hmm. sometimes more. And so then mm-hmm. you have you start dealing with obesity and those kind of things. And even if you don't have the weight issue, you're going to have to start dealing with the food. You know, the higher cholesterol, high fat foods are going to lead to illnesses. Mm-hmm. So I always say pre-plan, make sure you're juicing, make sure you're eating whole foods, uh, you're getting the nutrients that your body requires. And then when you do that, you're not going to feel as hungry. You're not going to have cravings for sleep. You're not going to have cravings for things because your body's going to have everything that it that it requires. Right, right. Okay. The um. So you still and you're saying first of all juice to get all the nutrients you need out of the vegetables, but also yeah. still eat that, uh, even though you're juicing. Well, exactly. Now, when you say Here's whole, no, go ahead. I'm just saying when you say whole foods, you just mean things that. Grow like fruit, vegetables, or what do you mean when you say whole foods? Well, fruits, vegetables, um, your lean meats. Thing, you know, when you go buy your meats, look for look for stuff that. I mean, I know it's going to cost a little more, but you want things that don't have, you know, the hormones and, you know, antibiotics in them. You know, a lot of when you see a chicken that's, you know, huge, and it, it you know, it was only it's. It was born six weeks ago. That's not normal. It's just not normal. Right. So, and then you're ingesting this stuff. And if you're you have children ingesting this, then they're gonna go. You know, you're gonna see them develop quicker. Well, yeah, they're getting big quicker, but that means they're aging faster. There's no reason right. why young girls should be having you know starting their periods when they're eight years old or nine. That's that we see it, and it's become more common and more of a norm. Right, right. Because, you know, that's what we're feeding our kids. And then the other right. thing is a lot of people aren't going to have time to juice. They're not going to have time to, to, you know, to sit there. And in order to get all that done, you're going to be juicing three times a day. But when I was working full time, I had time to do it once a day. I didn't, I couldn't, right. I didn't have time to do all that. And, you know, that's where right. I, exactly. you know, I start recommending nutritional programs, you know, or, you know, what I do with, you know, my nutritional, the, their high-dense nutrition, you know, things like, you know, I use, you know, I use isogenics, but that's high-dense nutrition that you're giving mm-hmm. your body, and it's simple, it's easy, you do it within 30, it takes 30 seconds to blend a shake like that, and kids, like my right. kids like it, so it's, that's simple, but, but you can't live on that alone. You also got to be smart. Hey, what am I going to cook for dinner? What am I... It's almost like you, if you really want to be healthy and have your nutrition on point, you have to pre-plan. You just can't wing it because our mm-hmm. lives are too busy. Right, right. Now, does organic eating, getting organic fruits and vegetables, is that good or is that still uh, going to be nutrient-deprived? It's better than non-organic, better, okay. a lot better. But then again, you want to make sure that what you're getting truly is organic because 
anybody can say they're organic or organic certified. You want to make sure that what their definition is. You want that certification on there. But, yeah, it's better because mm-hmm. that means they're not – they're raising – you know, they're, they're growing produce without using the herbicides and the pesticides and the fungicides. So right. the soil is going to be better. But you got to realize that, you know, I live – I have my own garden. Now, I live in old okay. – in, where I live used to be farmland. Right. It's a community now. But this soil is probably depleted in some way. It, it's not perfect anymore mm. it, because it, it was farmed before. I'm sure that there was, you know, it's been depleted. And I'm sure that there's, you know, stu- you know, there's stuff that was put on the soil that's still, you know, there. The um, All right. Now let me ask this. A, a buzzword right now in the nutrition world is intermittent fasting. Uh, what's your thoughts yes. on intermittent fasting? I think it's amazing. It's been around, well, since biblical times. <laughs> it's nothing new. It's just that it's come mm-hmm. back around. It's, it, there's nothing okay. new about intermittent fasting. And, you know, there's different forms of it. But what's smart is, you know, don't eat after don't eat after 8 o'clock for sure. But if you can, you know, have your last meal before 7, and then, mm-hmm. you, you you know, unless you're diabetic, sometimes, you know, a diabetic is going to have to have something in, like, some type of snack around 9 or 9.30 because right. they just can't go 12, 13 hours without eating. Not because they go low. It's because they're, I mean, I'll get a little nerdy, but when you go too long without eating, you're going to, your body's going to, your liver's going to dump sugar. And it's not going to say, well, you're diabetic. I'm just going to dump a little bit. It's just going to dump to keep you going. And then, you know, you'll wait, you wake up with a high blood sugar. So most diabetics that I've worked with, I have them have a little snack, like a, a protein snack around nine, nine thirty. not a big carb meal or, or carb snack or anything like that. It's just something mm healthy that'll get them, you know, they'll keep their body, you know, their body from dumping sugar into their bloodstream. Right. All right. Okay. Okay. But the, intermittent um, fasting does work. And I coach a lot of people on that in my program. That's the basis of it is intermittent fasting. So for those of you now, thinking about trying it, I highly recommend it. Now I'm, I'm going to get, as you said, nerdy on you for a second. Why intermittent fasting work? Well, you're allowing your body to rest, your digestive system to to rest, and it helps, you know, it just helps your body stay cleaner. And then if you also think about this, when you wake up, your biggest meal should, you know, whenever you decide to have that first meal, that should be your one of your biggest meals. I always say for gotcha. breakfast, eat like a like a like a king for lunch like a prince mm-hmm. and for dinner like a popper. You don't want to be giving yourself, you know, these high meat, this big, big heavy meal at 8 o'clock at right. night and then have more snacks and then you you go to bed with your stomach full. You're, you're causing yourself to have indigestion or digestive issues. Uh, you're not burning off and stuff, so you're going to be more prone to, to putting on weight. It's just not healthy. Right. Right. And I've been heard... Uh, people have heard me say that exact same thing before. Eat breakfast like a king, lunch like a prince, and uh, uh-huh. so I'm, I'm glad that you same thing that that sort of 
solidifies that I'm on the right track. You are on the, that is on the right track. But you know, um, intermittent fasting is also going to help with, with blood sugar issues. So, you know, it is a smart thing to do. It's not you know, it's not a buzzword. It's not like oh, it's just a you know, it, it's just a thing that's gonna it's it's gonna pass. No, it's been that's been going on. It's been around for years. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. Good. Now, when you're intermittent fasting, um, the is there anything while you're eating during that eating time frame um, that you should stay away from, or no? What is I mean, your I, I eat regular. I eat pretty okay. much normal. What I the things that I tell mm-hmm. people to stay away from are artificial sweeteners, artificial colors, artificial flavors, but mostly artificial sweeteners. Because, you know, yeah, they'll, you'll go on a fast and you're sitting there drinking, you know, Diet Coke. And here's why. Splenda, also known as sucralose, is very toxic. It's, it's toxic. It's, it's a, you know, it's a chlorocarbon. So what they mm. did is they took the sugar. It sounds very healthy. You got real sugar. You took a molecule, a carbon atom out, and you put a chlorine atom in. And that makes the body not recognize that sugar and... You know, so then you won't, you don't want store it and you won't create, you know, your, your sugar doesn't go up. It's not recognized as sugar, mm-hmm. but here's the problem. Chlorine and carbon together is a chlorocarbon. Chlorocarbons are pesticides. So, I mean, I didn't know right. until I have a friend of mine that, you know, he's, he's a chemist and he says, I wouldn't give that to my dog. And he explained it to me and it makes, mm-hmm. it makes complete sense. The same mm-hmm. thing with, uh, the one before that was uh, NutraSweet, another one. But that's also unhealthy. You know, it's been linked to a lot of neuro- – it's a neurotoxin. So all those things that, you know, we're trying to avoid sugar, I always say, you know, if you're going to have something, just have a little bit – have a little. I mean, there's nothing wrong with half a teaspoon of sugar, especially if you get cane juice crystals or the more natural you get things, the better. And Mm -hmm. and you have that in your coffee, even as a diabetic, or a a teaspoon of five carbohydrates. That's not bad. Not not bad. And in regards to nutrition, I tell people, and they freak out because everybody's about low-carb, low-carb, and keto, but we were meant to run on carbohydrates, on healthy carbohydrates, not in the form of a Snickers bar or apple pie, but, you know, our fruits and our vegetables, everything you eat turns to sugar. Even like if you grab Mm. a handful of grass from outside and ate it, it turns to sugar. It's a carbohydrate. Mm. So green beans turn to sugar, but our bodies run on that. So if you want, you know, a lot of people will use keto just okay. You want to do it for a week to just give yourself a boost. But I don't find it very healthy at all to be on that for years. I I just don't think it's healthy, especially when you see what our body is supposed to run on and the way that our body is, it works. It, run, it runs on carbohydrates. Mm. I was talking with uh, somebody the other day. He was talking about keto, saying, well, a lot of people on keto were saying that, hey, I have so much energy. And he's like, well, mm-hmm. they don't have a lot of energy. They just forgot what it's like to have a lot of energy. Well, and here's the thing. With the way we eat, like I said, the majority of people are, you know, they're, they're eating fast food. They're, they're just mm-hmm. not eating, like I said, whole foods foods that are not laden, you know, in order for them to taste good, they're full of sugar and sodium. That's not healthy. You're going to feel tired. 
you're going to have like a, a food, food hangover. And even when I was eating, I mean, I've been eating clean for a very long time. And it took mm-hmm. me, you know, doing a system and just kind of detoxing. I felt all of a sudden I feel like I'm awake, you know. And that's right. what happens to a lot of people. They they start eating better and, and getting rid of all this junk that they don't realize is junk. And just because it's sold out and at a store, it's approved by the FDA, it does not mean it's good for you. It means it's not going to kill you right now. <laughs> but right. Right of the key that, word. Praise. Um, so, now, I know you're with isogenics. So how does mm-hmm. that fit into the whole nutrition um, deal? Well, here's the thing, and when I first heard of Isogenic, I was introduced to it over 10 years ago. I was like, mm-hmm. heck no, like absolutely not. you got to grow your own vegetables, do your own juicing. I mean, that was me. I was like, or you got to buy organic. And, you know, no, that, that's, that's, um, that's a bunch of hogwash, I think is what I think. It's a bunch of baloney. And a year went by, and, I, you know, I started seeing, hearing more about it, and I started kind of doing my own, my own research. And mm-hmm. I've, I've read a lot on nutrition. I mean, there's great books out there that you can, you can um, read on, you know, A Diet for a New America. Uh, Joel Furman wrote uh, a book, uh, How to Raise Healthy Kids. And, you know, so much out there that will educate you. And so I was, that's where I had a lot of my, my nutrition knowledge. I just kept reading and reading and educating myself. Because we don't get a lot of that education in medical school or in nurse practitioner school or in nursing school. They don't give you that much. It's, it's a little bit. Right. Not enough. So I educated myself. So I was very against But when I started reading what was in Isogenics, I got kind of curious. You know, I saw that it was a lot of the things I was already doing. Uh, you know, uh, there, there was no artificial sweeteners in their, in their shakes. There was no artificial flavors or colors. It was high-dense nutrition, and I started seeing things like rhodiola root in there and all these things that I do from the vitamin shop and Whole Foods, and mm-hmm. it was all there in a simple, simple system, but I still wasn't ready. I mean, that was like a year later, and then finally I got to a point where I was feeling tired all the time, and I decided to give it a try, do my, be my own guinea pig. After right. one of my friends, I just turned around and asked her, well, what, well, how are you looking so good lately? You're shot, you're glowing. You and your husband look amazing. And she was, she told me, she was, she whispered in my ears, I'm doing isogenics. And I was like, really? And then this is a friend of mine. And she wasn't trying to sell me anything. She was just telling me. And so I decided, you know what, I'm, I'm going to try it. I'll, I'll give it 30 days. And by day four, all the tiredness I was having that two, you know, you hit a wall at two o'clock and I was tired. I wanted to take a nap and, when you have three kids and, you know, you're getting home, they're, one of them's in the band, my youngest was playing baseball, you don't have time for a nap. you got a mama. <laughs> and so, you know, I just did my thing. I just did what I had to do, but I was tired. So I was looking for something that was going to help me be more present as a mom and a, a wife. I was tired of feeling tired. And so after trying that, you know, I did it for for four days, wow, I have, I feel myself again. I got the old Carlotta's back. I was like, I'm in. And then I started sleeping through the night, which was another issue I was having, probably hormonal related because I was in my late 40s. 
and that was it. Right, right. Well, cool. So cool. The, the other thing, you know, is that when I really saw what was in each shake and, then, you know, I was talking about whole foods and juicing, as a nurse practitioner and having to be at work at 7 a.m., I don't have time to be juicing. I mean, I didn't have time to juice every morning. I do it sometime during the day. Sometimes I would. This gave me the ability to do something in 30 seconds, and I have a meal. And each shake is equivalent to about 20 Subway sandwiches and nutrition without all the junk, without all the junk that, you know, all the stuff that's in a Subway sandwich. So here I am having high-dense nutrition in one shake with Mm. all the macronutrients my body requires, and it's simple. Really why I became even more passionate about it that the way I felt, but the fact that I saw all this amazing nutrition and so simple. And also the, the whey protein is cold-pressed. So most whey protein okay. out there, you'll see it has calcium, casein, or, you know, all this other stuff. They're not cold-pressed. So these, any shake that's cold-pressed, whether it's isogenics or not, it's going to boost your immune system about 500%. I read that in another study, not isogenics related, just any whey protein that's cold pressed it's more bioavailable it boosts your immune system it has more glutathione it increases your glutathione levels now let me ask this question so you having a shake so if you have this shake am i still in my fasting stage or is that part of my meal stage and i'll have a shake for breakfast now if i'm doing like some people do the intermittent fasting and they'll do 16 hours of fast, then you might be having your shake at 10 a.m. I'm more right. of a 12-hour okay. person. Right. Okay. So even so, 12 hours is good too. So if you went 12 hours, that'll be good. Yeah. I mean, the intermittent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 10 to 12 hours. 10, 12. It's 10 to 16 hours that you can do. Just don't have anything and and drink water. But I'll have my I'll have my shake in the morning and. Then I do, you know, I do other things now, and uh, I mean, I do a lot of pre-workout things that I do and right. juicing. Right. I still do all I do my juicing, but yeah, that shake is every morning I have that. Okay, well, good, 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 good. Now let me ask you this question as we get ready to close. You know, our, our time yeah. is, is coming to an Absolutely. for a young athlete that that has aspirations to 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 make it to the next level. How, mm-hmm. what advice would you give them from a nutritional standpoint? Read your label. Get rid of all the, you know, all this bang and all this stuff that's out is terrible. And don't use artificial sweeteners. They actually kind of dull your senses, to be honest with you. So read your labels and eat as clean as possible. Eat healthy. Uh you know, if you're going to do protein, I mean, Isogenic is amazing. I know there's other shakes out there, but read the label. Know what you're putting in your body. That That's what right. I did. I found something that that went hand-in-hand hand with my belief of good nutrition because if it did not, I was not going to use it. You know, I had people trying to show me stuff, but it, had, it would have sucralose, and I was like, well, I don't care if it's the last ingredient. It's still in there. I mean, do you want mm-hmm. – it's like saying, here's a glass of water, Everett. I have two glasses of water for you. This one has a little bit of poop in it. Now, you can't see it because I stirred it up, and it, it looks clear and clean. Now, which one do you want? They're both clear and clean. 
and they both taste the same. Yeah. That yeah. that's my you, advice. You, just yeah. be I mean, aware. Just be aware. Be a smart for everybody. Be smart. Don't just take what the what the media tells you or what the commercial says. Do your own research. And yeah. that's gonna that help anybody, whether you're a young athlete or an older athlete or not an athlete at all. I mean, we have one body and we have to take care of it. That's true. That's true. Well, Carlotta, thank you very much. It was very, very educational and definitely want to get you back on again sometime soon. Well, thank you. And if anyone wants to reach me, um, I can be found on Facebook as Carlotta M. Davis. And I'm happy. I'm also on LinkedIn and Instagram, and I'm pretty easy to find, or you can give them my information. They can connect with you and find me. Thank you for having me on, Everett, and you have a great evening. Thanks, you as well. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back in a few. Hold on. Come on now. 
Hey, how's everybody doing? This is Everett Sands with West Foundation Sports Talk Show. We're back. Just had a great conversation about nutrition, and we're going to go from nutrition, and we're going to get into a little bit of health. Um, we have Miss um, Beverly Bonilla with us. Beverly, how's everything going? Everything's going well. Thank you. Good. We're definitely glad to have you on. And uh, if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about your background. So I am a nurse practitioner. I work in the adult geriatric um, realm. I specialize in um, brain and spinal cord injury um, and primary care. Um, I've been a nurse since 1996, um, registered nurse, ICU nurse mostly, and then transitioned into um, a nurse practitioner role about four to five years ago. Okay. Yeah, so you've, you've been a nurse for a long time. Yeah. Well, good, 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 good. Well, hey, well, one thing that I wanted to ask um, right now, of course, we're we're coming out of uh, the lockdown that we've been on, and and our president is definitely pushing for everybody to get vaccinated. Um, I, it's almost as if most people that's planning on getting vaccinated already have, but there's a big portion of people that have not. Um, what's your thoughts on the vaccination uh, to do or, or not to do? What are your thoughts on that? So um, initially I was not for the vaccine. Um, as a provider, I offer it to my patients. I allow people to make mm-hmm. a personal choice. Um, they ask my opinion. I usually don't offer my opinion on my personal stuff to my patients. I give them the information and I allow them to make a decision based upon the information and their life. Um, I have recently completed my vaccination um, series. Um, Initially, for me, it was a lot of, well, why are you pushing this so much in these communities and to, you know, certain types of people? Yes, everybody is wanting to be, you know, to take this vaccine, but I really felt like it was Mm -hmm. being pushed in the minority communities. So after I did some research, looked around, I know that it's being pushed there because we have suffered the most. So we have to think about that as well, right? So it's being pushed into areas that the suffering was high, right? So, you know, we have to think about that as well. So we have populations that live closer together. We have families that are, you know, multiple levels of families living in one home. So we have more reasons to catch the COVID, right, because we're in areas that are not probably well ventilated. We're around people who don't go to the hospital or go to the doctor quickly, and we have a lot of comorbidities. So it's a higher risk for our population. So it made sense. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't want it because I felt like I was a pretty healthy person, even though I worked in the healthcare realm. I still had a lot of questions, and I wanted some answers. So before I took it, I wanted to get those answers. So the answers for me is, like, how often do I have to take this? Is it a one-time thing? Is it every year, like the flu shot? You know, what is it going to do to my immune system? You know, did you really study it the way you said you did? How did this come up so quick, right? So there were a lot of questions for me. And then, you know, does it affect um, the younger population, like our our young women in the 20s and 30s who are childbearing, like what is that going to look like for them? In 10 years, it's going to be like more infertility. So even though I'm not in that area, I still want to know. So 
So those were some of the factors that questioned me before I wanted to take the COVID vaccine. But as I saw people in my community dying, um, mm-hmm. friends, family members, friends, um, I, and I saw it firsthand, taking care of patients with COVID or post-COVID, because I get a lot of post-COVID syndrome patients who will never mm-hmm. live the same life that they lived before, I realized how important it was for our community. And I decided to go ahead and move forward with it. I got my mom um, recently. She's 80. She's getting vaccinated. Um, and I've been pushing it more. I mean, I still think it's a personal decision, but I've been more saying, hey, I think you should because these are the positives. Even though you may decide not right. to, think about right. it and come and get back to me. Right. The Well, let me ask this. Just off was a question that you had. So, how how often do you have to take it? Is it a, is it a one and done or first shot, second shot, and then you done? Or they're saying we're gonna have to take booster shots? So, like a lot of vaccine, there's gonna be a booster at some point, right? I believe this one is gonna be similar to um, from the information that I'm getting um, in our facilities, some CDC uh, from the healthcare community. There's gonna be a booster most likely in the fall. Um, Flu vaccine, you get it every year, and each year it's created on the on the strains of virus that was previously from the year before. So hopefully, mm-hmm. when you take that, that would boost your immune system. It's not saying you will not get the flu or you will not get COVID. It was just saying that if you do, it won't be so severe that would cause you to be hospitalized, placed on a ventilator, change your life forever, right? So that's right. that's what the vaccine is for. So every year, like SARS COVID is not new. This is just this is just a new strain, right? Because the common cold is a SARS-CoV-2, you know, thing. So this is just one that has caused a big issue in our community. And I think that I haven't really liked the flu shot as well, but I take it every year because I've had the flu and mm-hmm. I didn't like it, and I've seen people die from the flu. So you have to yeah. risk versus benefit, and you have to decide, do I want to put the people I love at risk or myself? when I could do something that could help me and the people around me, and hopefully that would be enough to keep us from getting where we were shut down last year. Right. The Now, let me ask this question. You were talking about the flu, uh, and I heard somebody ask this just the other day, saying why haven't they given the numbers on the flu last year? You know, what did the numbers look like? last year for the flu, or was it because we were in masks that it wasn't as big of a deal? I think it's, a, it's, it's multiple things. I think people are more aware. So they're wearing the mask, they're washing hands, they're cleaning, they're wiping. Those are the things that kill these viruses, right? Cleaning, wiping, right. you know, not shaking hands, you know, being more vigilant in things that we took for granted over these years, right? So I don't think the flu, flu has been eliminated because people are still getting the flu. But what's happening is that this SARS-CoV, a lot of times people getting uh, admitted into the hospital, they have both. They have the flu and SARS-CoV. But I think because the flu is not as detrimental to people's life the way this has come to be, that they're not as worried because people are taking flu shots, right? And that's a pretty regular routine in a lot of people's lifestyle. Yes, people still go to the hospital for the flu and die, but not at the rate as this COVID-19 um, strain. So I think that the numbers got overshadowed for the flu because of this. 
I don't think it's it's gone. The flu will still be there, will always be there. But I think this, yeah, just was such a bigger issue that nobody really talked about the other one because that one is more under control. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, another thing that you said, you talked about a post-COVID syndrome. What is that? So a lot of people who uh, have had COVID positive and were really sick um, and symptomatic, they have a lot of weakness, generalized weakness, um, nerve pain, neuropathy, um, suffer from having lots of PEs and blood clots, had lots of clotting syndromes that were associated with um, having COVID, um, and just generalized, you know, respiratory insufficiency that cannot be improved. So some people who have asthma and COPD from smoking and working in areas where they're not ventilated well, they may have a a COPD. So now you're post-COVID, your lungs are damaged, right? Some people have fibrotic, hardened lungs and different things that happen because of the way COVID ravaged their – so now you have damaged lungs, right? So if you were a runner, you Mm. may never run again, right? Right. Um, if you were a smoker, it probably hit you harder than it would a person who was not a smoker, right? If you were on a ventilator for an extended period of time, um, you probably will always have some respiratory back illness somewhere, right? You may get a cold or cough faster than your neighbor, right? You get shorter breath because right. your lung capacity is not the same. So a lot of people post-COVID are dealing with depression and anxiety related to how they felt during being treated for COVID, um, the weakness that will still be a part of their life because they will never be 100%, um, and just the neuropathies, the pains, the blood clot treatments, um, all those things will nag on for a long period of time, and we're seeing a lot of that. Um, a lot of those things are not explained. New York City and some big cities, they have post-COVID syndrome clinics that they've opened because... Hmm. People who were treated for COVID are still having symptoms related to the COVID process. And is it the COVID process? Is it the treatment that they received for COVID? But whatever it is, it's, they're, they're having some side effects that are lingering on for months, um, three, four, five, six months after they've been treated and came out the hospital. Wow. Wow. Now, you know, one of, we, a couple months ago we had a cardiologist on. Mm-hmm. And said that I think it was like low twenty percent of everybody that had COVID, regardless if they were symptomatic or asymptomatic, um, had you know some lingering heart issues. Have you yes. seen that as well? Yes, um, a lot of well, a lot of it is the vascular system, right? So the vascular system mm-hmm. with the cardiac system has you know inflammatory processes that will linger on. And once the body's inflamed and you and you can't really get that treated, it may be something that goes up and down, right? You may be fine, and then one day, hey, I've got all of this um, joint pain and, and vascular stuff that's going on, which always gets back to the circulatory system in the heart. So it increases your right. blood pressure when you have inflammatory processes. It increases your, your clotting um, so you clot easily. It breaks off the plaques in your in your vessels and increase your risk for heart attack. So all of these things will lead to some cardiac um, issue 
you know, as time goes by, especially if you're older, you have other comorbidities, that even makes it worse. But COVID is just right. another comorbidity. Yeah. The um, So an inflamed heart will, will cause clotting and all that stuff as well? So a lot of times people, you know, hypertension, diabetes, all these diseases are pretty much your body's in an inflammatory state of some sort. Um, and what happens is you, you may have clots and things in your vessels, and what happens because you're in, your body's in a state of in an inflammatory process, these things break off, and they clog the vessels and cause the heart attacks and cause the blood clots. Um, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. 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 Yeah. Now, we, we're going to go back a little bit. Um, just talking about... You know how some people, especially in the African American community, um, that have been hesitant to take the vaccine. Um, well, a lot of times they're hesitant to go to the doctor to begin with. Um, right. But is there a talk about the disparity in healthcare? Is is that part of the issue? Um, because they haven't been able to get healthcare, or is it just that they're not going to get healthcare? Or, or what is I know it's not a I think it's uh, I think it's both. Yeah, I think it's both. I think people have a fear of the healthcare system. Um, I think people don't feel their voices are heard in the healthcare system, especially when they don't look like the norm of, you know, a a Caucasian male or woman who both studies are done on, right? So you have Hispanics and African Americans, Caribbean Americans, African Americans from Africa, you have um, lots of different Hispanic cultures, and they don't feel like they're being seen in the healthcare system, so they don't go. And they fear that when they do go, they're not treated equally. You know, they're given um, dumbed down information, or they're over medicated or over treated, um, and they just have a really big fear of the healthcare system, so they don't go. And by the time they get there, Whatever is going on is so advanced that it's so hard to bring it back. So a lot of times they say, well, you made me sick. Right? They go to the doctor and say, well, I didn't have this before. It's like, well, yeah, you did, but you didn't take care of it because you didn't want to come. And now that you decided to come, like, it's really, really bad now. And they're like, oh, well, they, they, they just don't believe that. they just like, no, you're just trying to give me another pill. You know, you're just trying, you're just trying to, you know, I look like this. You're trying to treat me that way. So we stay away from the hospitals, we stay away from the doctors, and when we get sick, we go to the ER. So we don't have a primary care physician. We don't have specialists that are out of our care until we go to the hospital. We don't mm. fix the problems before they start. We wait until the problems come, and then we look for some band-aids. I would imagine if, and again, I, I've been guilty of it as well, um, if you go mm-hmm. get your annual checkout every year, then that will mm-hmm. help alleviate some. Is 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 that the big thing that that people need to make sure they do is just go get that annual checkout? Yeah, I think that we all need to at least once a year kind of go in and kind of just make sure that things are where they need to be. You know, just check some basic mm-hmm. blood counts and electrolytes, and you know have, you know, some breathing tests, some x-rays, you know, um, just basic things according to your age group, you know, just to make sure things are okay. Um, I don't right. think 
that you need to go to the doctor, you know, every three months, every six months. But, you know, I think all adults and children need to once a year go and just have a baseline. Because if you have no baseline, you don't know when something has changed, right? So right. you go to the emergency room, but they, they look into your files, you have nothing. So they don't even know what your baseline is. Because even though you may be anemic, your baseline anemia, you live and function and fine. But you go to the doctor in the hospital, and it's way, way down, and they're, like, in a state of emergency, but nobody knows what your baseline is. So they're just treating you for this emergency, but that could be your norm, and that's not truly your problem. But nobody knows because they don't go. So if one thing can be said, people need to, to use the, the facilities, the health care that's around them, because a lot of times when we have cancer, we find out too late because we don't go to the hospitals or, I mean, we don't go to our doctor appointments. We don't get our follow-ups, right? We lose a lot of lives in these um, binary communities because we just don't go until it's too late. Right, right. The, um, and and that's, that's scary. I guess, why do you think you don't go? Now, you said before, you know, you don't feel like the tests are uh, based on the minorities. Um, They're not. But is it a, is, is it is it a fear of what could be wrong? Is it a fear of I'm not going to get treated well? Um, is it just a fear, or what do you think? Because I mean, I, I remember my grandfather. My grandfather's like, I don't like going to the doctor. So some of it is a fear uh, of finding out something is wrong. Some of it is right. a mistrust in the healthcare system because of the way we've been treated in the past, the experiments, the, you know, oh, because you're this, automatically you need all of, you know, like, oh, you're black, so you must have hypertension, diabetes, you know, all these things, right? Meanwhile, why don't mm-hmm. you say, yeah, you know, you may be exposed to these, you may have these things. How about we start with lifestyle changes and, all, you know, treat me the way you treat my counterparts. Don't just give me a bunch mm-hmm. of medicine because, you know, I have these things, right? So I right. think in the because a lot of the minorities end up in low-income clinics or, you know, the, the options for them are different, they go too late rather than going early and having a rapport with your, your um, practitioner and being able to set a, a, a I guess, a some kind of a baseline where they can say, hey, you know what, you are pre-diabetic, so let's fix this, right? So in six months you can come back, and that can be different, right? You're no longer diabetic. You're no longer pre-diabetic. And, you know, you're like, okay, I trust this person because they're out there to help me, and they're trying to do better. They're not just trying to push pills. You know, a lot of people mm-hmm. don't go to the doctor because they don't want pills, and they don't want to know the truth. So they just stay mm-hmm. home, right? And that is that is the minority community. We have such a fear of of what we're going to be hurt, what we're going to be told, and a fear of people in white coats that we just stay away. And it's just been a part of our history. We just stay away from, you know, the healthcare environment, and it just gets worse. So the key that everybody needs to do, young, old, everybody in between, is at least once a year go see the doctor. Yeah. So you can get a base of, of where your health is and something to compare it to, right? Yeah, you get a baseline, 
you get a provider that you can trust, that you can sit down and have conversations with, who, you know, can be your gatekeeper to any other specialist that you need to go to. Um, Mm -hmm. And then you won't feel so pressed that when you feel sick that, you know what, I'm going to keep waiting, I'm going to keep waiting, I'm going to keep waiting. If you build a rapport with, you know, some type of health care provider and you trust them, then you're more apt to go in when you don't feel well or when you notice a change in your body rather than wait three, six months down the line where you can't wait anymore. And then, you know, it's like, well, this is where we are now. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. So besides go see the doctor, um, for a young person, so just say an, an, an athlete that has um, his plan is, hey, I want to try to go play on the next level, on the college level and further, um, besides going to see the doctor once a year, what other things should, should that athlete or that student-athlete sort of think about? Um, making sure they do build a rapport with some kind of health care provider, um, making sure they eat right, um, making sure they're aware of the things that affect their community and their age range, um, making sure the immunizations are up to date, making sure, you know, uh, like the lady before you um, was on was talking about nutrition, how important that is, and cutting down fast foods and being aware that just because I'm 18 doesn't mean I can't get hypertension or diabetes, Um, staying away from fad diets and steroids and um, performance-enhancing things of all natures, right, and being extreme in any way, right? So a lot of young people who, who do sports, they become extreme in, you know, they might, oh, I'm going to do all these shakes. I'm only doing shakes. I'm doing a whole bunch of protein. And then next thing you know, their kidneys are bad, you know, because just because you're 18 or 20 doesn't mean your kidneys can't be bad, right? Doesn't mean Mm -hmm. you can't develop hypertension, diabetes, because you've been doing steroids or doing these extreme keto diets or, you know, and you're doing it just with Internet information. You're not doing it under the care of a healthcare provider, you know, um, young people need to realize that they need to train their bodies to do right when they're young. So when they get older, it's much easier. So I think, uh, you know, your young players need to make sure they're eating right, make sure they're, they're sleeping well, make sure they're not putting a bunch of poison things in their bodies, um, and then building a report in the healthcare system so that when things are not right or they have questions, they have somebody they trust who can help guide them. Um, to the right way. All right. Last question before we go. As often, you know, some you just trigger something there. How important is sleep? Oh, my gosh. So it's important for everyone. But the biggest thing, sleep allows your body to repair itself and to recover so that the next day you can do it again. Um, I work with brain and spinal cord injured patients. When your brain is damage in any form or fashion, you need more sleep than the average person because you have to allow it to rebuild. And young people think they can go on two, three hours, they're up all night on their phones and computers and poor sleep hygiene creates you waking up, you're still tired, Um, your body didn't have time to reset and, you know, to heal, Um, and they just Mm -hmm. keep going and going and going, and eventually they won't be able to go. So... Sleep is important. I mean, young people, eight hours, eight to ten hours a night. 
You know, you have to train your body to sleep. Um, and if you don't, you you will feel it eventually. So sleep is a big deal, big deal. A lot of my younger patients have poor sleep hygiene, and then they, they tell me in the morning, well, I didn't sleep last night. Well, the nurse says you were up from 11 to 3 a.m. on your cell phone or watching TV. So, you know, if you if you don't shut things down, then you cannot go to sleep. And poor right. sleep hygiene means you sleep three or four hours, and then you're exhausted the next day, and, you, and the cycle just keeps going. And your body never gets time to repair, because sleep is about repair, so that you can produce the same way the next day. Right now, I'm a five to seven guy. If I get less than five hours, I'm tired. If I get more than seven hours, I'm tired. Is it, so? Is that? And that's just what what I believe. Should I? Mm-hmm. And and I can't sleep eight hours unless I go to, well, I really can't sleep eight hours unless I'm just dog tired. <laughs> so does that mean my body's just been trained that way, or do you think that um, I could retrain it to get more sleep, or can you do that? Well, you, you can always retrain your body to get more sleep, but for for our age group, six to eight hours is sufficient. Younger people need a little bit more. Even though you would think right. they would need a little bit less, they need a little bit more. So for the mm-hmm. average adult person, six to eight hours is su- sufficient. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there may be days here or there where you get a few more hours. Um, there are a few people who must get 10. Um, but the average mm-hmm. person, six to eight hours of restful sleep through the whole night, not three hours sleep, wake up, walk around, bathroom, phone, TV, go back to sleep. This is six to eight straight hours of uninterrupted sleep for the body to reset and rebuild. Because people say, oh, I went to bed at nine. I I didn't get up till whatever. But how many times did you pick up your phone, check an email, you know, have a conversation, go back to sleep, switch and turn, go get a drink of water, go to the bathroom? That's not six to eight straight hours of sleep. Right. Got it. Got it, got it, got it. So, Ms. Bev, thank you very much. We do appreciate it. A lot of great information there. And uh, definitely want to try to get you back on. Okay, definitely. Anytime. Um, Yeah, let me know, and I will make myself available. Thank you for having me. Again, thank you very much. Hey, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back in a few minutes. I'm calling Yeah, maybe I'm selfish Out I want you to myself, I can't help it All mine Yeah, maybe I'm selfish You're my ladies and I can't Maybe I'm selfish Let I want you to myself, I can't help it
<laughs> well, good. What what age range are you coaching? So I have the young ones. I have the four, five, and six year olds, and um, you know, so so I'm blessed to have them just to be able to be, you know, their first experience, most of their first experience when it comes to this sport that I love, and to be able to, you know, just just teach them up and uh, help them help them learn the fundamentals. Well, good, good, and I think that's extremely important. Um, Absolutely, because uh, I remember my son's first time. They're playing flat ball. I was like, can they at least teach them to get in their stance? They're not teaching yeah. them anything. So, yeah. That's good. And and, and um, I think – uh, Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I, I was just going to say I think that's why it's so important to have the you know the right people in place to help these, mm-hmm. these kids learn the game in a safe manner, right? Because a lot of times it's played different than when you played and I played. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I started my son off two years in flag football, then transitioned him into tackle football. Okay. Okay. Now, is this tackle football or this flag football? This is tackle. This is tackle. Yes, sir. The, um, now, this championship season you are, I know you are, they overcame some adversity. Tell us a little bit about that. You said, yeah, they they overcame some adversity, over some adversity. So um, you can hear me okay, correct? Yep, I can. Okay. So, yeah, you know, we were having a successful season. One issue we were having, we didn't have a ton of kids because down here in the south they do play spring football. So we just barely had enough, uh, you know, uh, kids to, to have a full team. We had 12. So we had one sub. Um, so, so – you know, we we had a lot of uh, four or five-year-olds, but only two six-year-olds. Uh, but we, we came together as a team. We played as a, as a unit. Um, I, you know, I, I, taught, I taught them about attitude and, and just adversity from the very beginning, right? Um, right. So we, we were doing very well. We were undefeated. We played another undefeated team who, um, you know, they, they appeared to be a, a pretty solid team. So we played against them. They were the only team that scored against us all year. Uh, we lost within a minute, uh, 20 seconds, on, on a controversial uh, play. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, the refs didn't call the kid down. The kid got up and, and you know, they he had a knee down, but he got up and ran in, and they called a touchdown. So we lost that game. So that was the moment mm-hmm. of adversity, and I talked to the kids about how we can, um, you know, learn from this loss in order to win. So from that moment on, we, um, we prepared to uh, take destiny in our own hands. And that team we saw again in uh, the championship where we were victorious and winning that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what's the final of the championship game? So, within the championship game, it was a it was a it was a battle. Um, you know, both teams came out hard. Um, they fought hard all game. Uh, you know, very passionate on both sides of the fence. And so, uh, again, it was a nail biter. It came down to the fourth quarter, uh, they had scored with like a minute and maybe less than a minute uh, to pull away um, by one. So it was 21-20. Uh, we got the ball back. Uh, we ran a play. I uh, picked up about 20 yards. So we went from the, like 35 to around the 50. He got tackled. We called a timeout. Our second play um, got stuffed, and they thought they won because the timeout ran out because it was a running clock. But uh, we happened to call a timeout with one second left. So they put one second left, 
Um, we were on a 40-yard line, so I, I do remember that. We were on a 40-yard line, um, had the kids line up. We drew up a play, and um, our kid was in, able to bust it out and uh, sprint to the sideline and get down the sideline and, and score a 60-yard touchdown. Crowd erupted. The, the kids erupted, and they believed in that we could win. So it was an awesome victory. Wow. Hey, um, the uh, one of the things that we used to say is how much time does it take to win a football game? That's it. One second. That's all you That's need. That's it. One, one second. second. That's all you, you need. All with I mean, That's and if huge. you ask any of my kids, because we only had 12, they had about 22 kids on the other sideline, so they could substitute. So my kids, they were crying. They were gasping for air. <laughs> I tell them to suck it up. Like, hey, man, we got we got one second. You gonna, We got to pull this through. And just to be able to motivate those kids to, to see how they pulled it together. And, I mean, you're talking about not adults. You're talking about young kids who are learning these life experiences. And my philosophy is that, you know, sports is not about wins and losses. It's about the lessons that you learn. So, right at that moment, it was a lesson to be learned. And like I told them from the very beginning, until we lost that first game, you know, this is a lesson that we'll live with for the rest of our lives. You know, we don't never give up. I always, you know, I tell them we all we got, and then they'll scream out we all we need. And so as long as they yep. believe together, they banded together as brothers, and they believe that they could win together, and that's exactly what they did in one second. Yep. True. Yep. Big time. So, yeah. Yeah, it was an awesome moment, man. Very, very. Lost my voice and everything. <laughs> I mean, you know, like a lot of times as parents, man, as parents, they get hyped and um, sometimes they want to make it about them. And I always tell them it ain't about them, it's about the kids. So, exactly, and that's a big deal. That is a big deal. The uh, now, your son on the team, you have a kid on the team, yeah. So, my son is on the team, he's six, uh, he, he was a quarterback. And uh, he plays okay. corner on defense. Uh, he is on the team. So I didn't want to do daddy ball, so I don't call the offensive plays. I do help out with offense and offensive calls. But, you know, I'm a believer in that, you know, the right play at the right time with the right person. So, No doubt. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. So yeah. Yeah. move up. Make sure you're going to stay in that uh, – You said, am I going to move him up? Are you going to move up with him next year as far as coaching? Um, or are you going to stay yeah, in the great I'm, range? Yeah. So he'll be in fall, right? So so fall football, um, they'll start in, like, July. Um, he'll, be with, right. he'll be with the six-year-old group still because his birthday is late November. So he'll still be with the six-year-olds. And he's a, he's a okay. bigger kid as far as, like, just height and speed. But uh, I'll let right. him play with the six-year-olds again, you know what I mean, just to, to get that mm-hmm. experience at that level to learn how to protect yourself and, and continue to gain confidence. I mean, that's that's what it's really about for me is to gain confidence and exposure, experience. Right. Well, good. Yeah. Good. Uh, shifting but gears a little bit. time to move up. The uh, shifting gears a little bit because actually earlier, um, you know, we are just talking about – you know, Quest Foundation, and you know, one of the big things that we want our kids to do is be successful without being a professional athlete. I believe that you can learn so much by chasing that dream. 
And part right. of what was said today, um, the things that make you a great athlete are the things that big companies want working for them. That's right. And you, yes, recruited for companies. So what type of yes. things do you in, in student athletes? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, the thing that I personally would look for is, you know, the organizational skills, the time management skills, the, uh, you know, know, knowing how to face adversity and working through, um, the the grit, the, in, the intrinsic motivation. Um, and like you said, the things that make you a great athlete on the field, sometimes it translates into the workforce, right? So, you know, for me, uh, I believe that, you know, I was the best at what I did when I was on the field and there wasn't no way that I was going to be beat. That was my mindset. And I think that's the strongest part that I love about student athletes um, is the mindset, you know, knowing how to face the, the adversities and, and knowing how to work through them. I mean, that's a big part of what I look for. Right. The, um, you know, but not everybody's going to go pro. We do know that. No doubt about that. No doubt, but you can that. be a professional. Hey, as they say, everybody can go pro in something. It just might not be that sport. That's right. That's right. You know, sometimes when destiny, I'm gonna tell you. You know, I mean, you got a chance to see me play, and and people used to tell me I was gonna go to the NFL. But again, if it's not in the cards, it's not in the cards. Some things you can't control. But what I can control is what's my next move. How do I how do I pivot? How do I adjust? Right. And how do I, you know, um, now stop making plays on the field to making plays within the professional market that I'm in? Again, you've been there. You've made that transition. For you, what was the big, biggest thing in that transition from going from football to business? Um, the biggest transition for me was I needed to be coached up. Um, when it came to being off the field, I mean, I'm a guy from Youngstown, Ohio. Um, you know, I had a little edge to me as far as streetwise. And then translating that into the corporate America, you know, just trying to understand how to conduct myself in, in regards to interviews, dressing, uh, you know, as far as suits and things like that. And then just how I wanted to create my brand. I wasn't aware about my brand until it was too late in, in the first company I probably started for. Um, so that's something that I really take personal, and I try to, you know, reach out to these student-athletes now so that they're, they can get the assistance and help. Because a lot of us, you know, sometimes they don't have the people in their life. You take them from these streets or these neighborhoods, you put them on the football fields, and then we push them out into the world and expect that they're going to know how to conduct themselves in the interviews and dress codes. So being able to coach them up, and that's something that I had to help or, you know, I had to have help as far as with the transition from that that athlete mentality to now I need to, you know, create a brand for myself that would translate, you know, across the company. Now, something very interesting that you're talking about creating your the brand um of course, is going to, I imagine the initial plan will be based on what you did on the field, but it can't be seen. So what kind of things do you think about as, as you're saying, hey, 
or are you talking to a, a young person that you're recruiting about creating your personal brand? Yeah, um, when I'm talking to a young person as far as creating your brand, it's just basically how you carry yourself, your network, the people that you surround yourself with, um, your work ethic, right? So um, what I mean by that is that, you know, a lot of times people can, um, that first impression is very important. But what do you want to stand for? So when people say your name, you know, do you want them to be an advocate for you? Do, Do you want them to be able to speak highly of you? because of, of, of the actions that you, you put on the field, not only on the field, but off the field, right? I mean, I had a brand on the field. I was known for, you know, knocking people out and, and being a very physical safety. But in the corporate America, what was that brand? Because, again, being a minority and dealing with people that I typically did not deal with, right? Let's just call it, let's say, um, a different demographic of people. I had to conduct myself in certain ways, meaning um, – I mean, it's a difference in the way I talk to my, my friends at home versus how I talk to people in corporate America um, and, and right. knowing how to network and navigate through those systems. That helps create my brand. And that's how I would tell these young men, you know, when you put your name on something, make sure you don't, you know, just try to, you know, check the box, but really put some thought and effort into the work that you put out there. Right. All right. You know, I was actually having a conversation and a statement was made, which I true. She said a lot of people um, don't pride in their work anymore, um, which I think is unfortunate, but it goes with what you're just saying. So how many people just check the box? Yes, I got it done versus saying, hey, I'm putting my name on what I'm doing. And, and I think when you put your name on what you're doing, it means more to you because you're saying, hey, this is me, this is my product. But how many people are just checking up I got it done? Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and like I said, sometimes you got to be coached up. Sometimes, you know, you just need to, you know, for somebody to give you that honest truth. I think if anything for these young men who, young men and women who are going out into the professional market, especially student athletes, one thing that you can do that will be powerful is to get a mentor. Um, someone who's been in a company that, you know, um, or in life that you feel is successful, whatever you may uh, define it as, and and have them mentor you and ask for candid feedback because I think it's very important to have that support system when you transition from student-athlete to professional or just in life in general. So, you know, if you don't put, if you don't put that stock into your own brand, nobody else will. And I think that once right. you – once you mess up that brand, it's hard to get it back. Yep, that's true. No, that's true. Um, and another thing that I heard recently that your network is your net worth. Yeah, I heard that too. I think that was in the rhyme one time. Yeah, I heard it. Yeah, um, but uh, but there's a lot to that. Uh, yes, saying, it is. You know, if you have a good network, your net worth would definitely increase dramatically. But Absolutely. On the other side as well. And so, Absolutely. Hey. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my thoughts about that is you, you're absolutely right. I would say within the first five years of my professional uh, career in the pharmaceutical industry, um, I didn't see people who looked like me, so I didn't really care to network with people because I just felt like, you know, if I put my head down and I do my work, that somebody would tap me on the shoulder. 
but that's not that's yeah. not the case um, at yeah. times. So for me, um, moving you know years later in, into another whole role, another comp- company, um, I do realize the importance of networking. And and I used to look at it as a negative thing, like okay, well, do I have to kiss somebody's tail to to move forward? And um, and no, I don't. You know, I'm just my authentic self. I do believe in relationships. I do believe in helping people. And in return, you know, people gravitate towards positive energy and positive vibes. And so I do create those meaningful, last, lasting relationships with people from all walks of life. And that has created open doors. It created opportunities and open doors for me. Right, right. And that's, you know, one of the things that I used to tell young coaches is that, hey, networking isn't necessarily asking people for a job. Networking is staying in contact with people. So when something happens, you're one of the first people that's on there. Um, so building that relationship, because I believe it's truly about relationships. And if you if mm-hmm. you can build good relationships, then you're going to have some doors open up for you that wouldn't normally open up. Say that one more time. I'm sorry. I said if you build good relationships, you're going to have some doors open up for you that wouldn't normally open up. Because oh, yeah, that person, yeah, I know him. I know he's yeah. a good person. I know his man. I know his, his, his work. Hey, this is a guy you need to Yep. And, and like I said before, you know, uh, people, people promote who they know and trust, right? People bring along people they know and trust. Um, that's yep. just what it is. And if they don't know you, then you're less likely to get that opportunity than somebody that's taking the time to invest in other people. So just like you want people to invest in you, I think it's just as important for you to invest in other people, and it only comes around full circle. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Well said. Well said. Well said. uh, I appreciate it. Let me ask you, as as we we prepare to close, um, what advice would you give a – young student athlete that uh, has aspirations to play at the collegiate and or the uh, professional level? Yeah, I mean, the, the advice that I would have for that particular individual or those individuals is to believe in yourself first and foremost. Don't wait for somebody to tell you that you're, you're great or that, you know, you, you, uh, you can make it. Believe in yourself that you can make it. Push, push forward, right? Um, and, and also on the flip side, be understanding that sometimes things are not in your control. So have an, a, a plan B per se or plan C. And I know some people think that, that like, hey, I don't want a plan B or C because that's going to take away from my plan A. But um, I really believe if you plan for those steps, you, you're even a, in a better position when you do make it or when you have to pivot, because just because if you don't make it to the professional NFL or NBA or any other thing does not mean you're a failure. So just understand mm-hmm. that there's different levels to this, and, and you, you want to be prepared for the for all situations. So Hey, man, that's great words right there, great words. The, uh, the thing that we know is true, that at some point your career is going to end. That's Whether right. High school, college. Get the get a couple of years in. You get fifteen, twenty years in. It's still going to end yeah. at some point. And at that end. point, yeah. At that point, what's next? 
Yeah, so, you know, you, think, you have to have as many tools in your belt as possible. I mean, like I said, you know, it's nothing wrong with being prepared for different types of situations. I'm I'm flexible, and I think that the trees that survive the most in, 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 in tsunamis are not the biggest. They're not the strongest. They're the ones that are most flexible. So that's what we have to be as people. Yep, that's very true. Very true, very true, very true. Well, hey, man, um, definitely appreciate you joining us. Again, um, we're getting ready to close, but big thing, uh, I want everybody just to keep in mind again that June 26th is the day of the West Bay Cheerleading Camp. It is for rising third and eighth graders. And if everybody that pre-registered by June the 12th, which is this Saturday, everybody that registered by June 12th will get a free pair of cleats, or if there's one of the cheerleaders, then a pair of sneakers. So we encourage you to go online, right. www.wesffc.com, and register your third to eighth grader today. Um, Chris, That's definitely right. appreciate you to having you down for camp this year. Um, oh, yeah, man. I got out there have some fun with them kids. Yes, sir. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Hey, let me take um, my insurance though. Make sure I'm good. Pull something. All right, definitely check it out, man. Because I want to get out to you. I got to make sure I got my Ohio guys down there. So, all right, good deal, man. Good deal. And uh, but everybody else, you have a great week. And next week, we're gonna have a, a special treat because we're gonna have a bunch of coaches from Elon College that's gonna join us to talk about their experiences. So, so be on, on alert for that, and we look forward to seeing everybody next week. Chris, thanks again for joining us, and uh, we'll talk here some. All right. Take care. All right. Take care. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Just a bit of a break from the norm Just a little something to break the monotony Of all that hardcore dance That has gotten to be a little bit out of control It's cool to dance, but what about a groove That soothes and moves romance Give me a soft, subtle mix And if it ain't broke, then don't try to fix it And think of the summers of the past Adjust the face and let the alpine blast Pop in my CD and let me run around And put your car on cruise and lay back Cause it's summertime Summertime.
a short set. Yeah, I got on sneaks, but I need a new pair. Cause basketball courts in the summer got girls there. The temperature's about 88. Hop in the water plug, just for old time's sake. Break to your crib, change your clothes once more. Cause you're invited to a barbecue to start with four. Sitting with your friends, as y'all reminisce about the days growing up and the first person you kissed. And as I think back, makes me wonder how the smell from a grill could spark off nostalgia. All the kids playing out front, little boys messing around with the girls playing double dutch. While the DJ spinning a tune as the old folks dance at your family reunion. Then six, the clock rolls around. You just finished wiping your car down. It's time to cruise, so you go to the summertime, hang out, it looks like a car show. Everybody come looking real fine, fresh from the barbershop, applying the beauty salon. Every moment fronting and maxing, chilling in the car, they've been all day waxing. Leaning to the side, but you can't speed through two miles an hour, so everybody sees you. There's an air of love and of happiness, and this is the Fresh Prince's new definition of summer madness. 